Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Hey, welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. This is Dr. TK, clinical psychologist and branding coach for therapists. And so in today's episode, I actually took a question off of Instagram that I was asked a while ago, and I continue to receive this question here and there, either from my current coaching clients and or people sending me DMs or emails um, that are of interest to build and or grow their private practice and maybe they're stuck and maybe they're looking for different alternatives to see more clients and build their caseload. And so today I will be sharing with you three tips to determine if you should take insurance in your private practice. Okay. And so just to give you a little bit of background about, um, how I am even able to answer this question is that I do take insurance, um, about, Currently, 95% of my caseload is insurance. And the reason why I originally chose to take insurance was because in the beginning of my practice, I wanted to see stability. I wanted to create a foundation. And at the time, I had no brand. I had no marketing um, tips, tools, coaching. I had no clue what I was doing, if that sounds familiar. And I really just wanted to honestly see what kind of clients will come to me and then try to find my niche based off of the clients that were coming Um, because at the time I didn't have a niche. I didn't have a client avatar, AKA ideal client. And so I was kind of just seeing everybody, which is what most clinicians do. And that was great. I mean, at the time it grew my practice. It um, grew my caseload. I was receiving referrals literally every single day through one particular insurance panels. But then as I started getting more experience, I realized what insurance panels I liked, which ones I didn't. I realized how I could negotiate for higher rates. Once I was on the panel, I realized how I can use my niche and my expertise to attract particular type of clients and also how to tell the insurance uh, panels which clients I did and did not want to see. And so all of that is shared in my Adult Therapist Academy. Um, so if you are interested in that, um, I'll share with you at the end how to take the steps to first assess where your private practice is and then how you can add yourself to the wait list for the academy. So let's go ahead and dive into the three tips to determine if you should be taking insurance in your private practice. So tip number one, um, the first thing you want to ask yourself is what type of clients you actually want to see. So some suggestions that I have, because as you know, when I provide these tips, um, I typically provide you the tip and then I have an outline in front of me with a certain number of bullets of suggestions. Okay. So make sure that you always have your pen and paper ready anytime you listen to my podcast, because I am a professor, a teacher at heart. And so I will always give you like an outline so that you can go and take fast action. So the first suggestion is to think about the geographical location that you choose to serve or that you want to serve and also the socioeconomic status or SES um, type of clients that you want to see because that may determine if you take insurance or not. So for example, currently I collaborate with a nonprofit in which um, we serve the, the uh, reentry population, um, 18 and older men and women who are recently um, released from being incarcerated um, from the county 
or state and higher level uh, jail or prison. So a lot of the individuals that get out, this program helps them get training to get work. However, some of them um, have Medi-Cal initially or some of them slipped through the cracks somehow and then we're working on them getting Medi-Cal in California. So what that means is that let's just say if I was not doing training because I actually do training so the nonprofit actually compensates for my services. But let's just say if I said, you know what, I actually want to offer additional services just through my private practice, which is an option, right? So that means that I have to be contracted and credentialed through Medi-Cal and then Medi-Cal reimburse me. However, if I wanted to say, you know what, I don't want to use insurance. I only want to charge my regular rate for individual therapy. Would this population be able to see me? And the answer is no. One, a lot of them don't even have insurance yet. Some of them are waiting to get matched with a union job where they can get insurance. I may not even be on that panel. And then two is they are not in the financial um, position to be able to pay me the private pay rate because I know that population. So a lot of times I get clinicians who have um, a desire to make a certain amount of money in private practice, but that doesn't match the geographical location or the SES status of clients that they want to see. So you want to make sure that you truly assess that because if you, like I had somebody who said, I really want to treat my people, we're black, you know, I really want to treat my people. I really want to treat my people within a certain community. This clinician told me what city, and I was very familiar with the subs sub area in that city and you know who lives there and and what type of clientele she would be attracting and I said based off of how much you want to charge or how much you want to make and looking at the clientele you want to serve I'm sorry that doesn't match and the reason why they come to me for coaching is because I'm very transparent in a very loving way but I'll let you know straight up like clients who are living off of government assistance will not have $150 to pay you each week for you to make $100,000 a year. Like that, 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 that doesn't add up, right? And so you may want to look into getting a grant to pay you your rate to then offer services to this clientele. And some clinicians don't want to do all that. And I'll just put that out there, not saying that you have to apply for a grant and things like that. But realistically, you will have to take Medi-Cal if you want to see them or you're going to be seeing them pro bono, all right? So suggestion number two under what type of clients do you want to see is, can your niche audience afford your private pay rate? So I kind of just answer that, but with the people who you want to see, can they afford how much you're going to charge? Will you have a sliding scale? And even that sliding scale, can they afford that? And then suggestion number three to think about is, can you even get on the panel to serve those clients? Um, Personally, um, in California, I've tried for the last, well, I haven't tried in 2020, but from 2012 for like four and a half to five years straight, I tried to get on Anthem Blue Cross. And every time I would call, they would uh, say, um, Los Angeles County is saturated with therapists. Um, We're not open um, to individual therapists. And at the time, even I had a group practice and they still said no. I even tried to throw the race card and say, you know, because we did, we were getting a lot of referrals who preferred clinicians of color, bilingual therapists. And at the time, I had a team of like five and we matched the clientele um, requirements to be able to say, hey, like we have a niche just with who, who we are, you know? And we wrote a letter and we still didn't get in. And so, 
But it was interesting because the insurance panel was saying that they were saturated. And I was like, well, you guys can't be that saturated, meaning they have a lot of therapists because either these therapists are not taking on new clients, they're not calling clients back, or they don't have availability, but they're not letting the insurance panels know that they're closed. So it just looks like there's a lot of therapists that are offering services and the clients cannot get through or maybe the therapists don't match the demographics that the clients desire, right? Clinicians of color. And so, um, I also told the panel that, you know, and I, at this point I was like frustrated, but I was professional and I told them, you know, you can't be that saturated if I'm literally, literally getting at least three to five phone calls from Anthem Blue Cross clients every week. Like it can't be that saturated, right? Because I keep getting your referrals. And even with that, I would only be able to take clients who had PPO, which means that they would have to pay me first. And then they would have to wait for their insurance company to reimburse them. So we would have to turn in a super bill, right? So if you're thinking about um, getting on insurance panels, you want to first make sure that it's open and also for your license type. And I'm going to even add your entity type because sometimes they may only offer openings for group practice. Practices because maybe they want a mental health professional that can serve more than maybe the eight to 10 slots that you have. So that's number one is what type of clients do you want to serve to determine if you should start taking insurance. Tip number two is what are your branding and marketing strategies? Because sometimes we have to assess where our private practice is as it relates to branding and marketing before we maybe rely on an insurance panel to do the branding and marketing for us because they do do some part of that because they put your information on their website, on their list. When a client calls in and says, I want a therapist, I live here, this is my presenting problem. On the insurance panel paperwork, you would have checked off boxes of your ideal client and so they can match the client that way. So the first suggestion that I would um, bring to you is, you know, do you have a brand? Do you even know what branding is, right? Um, Do you have a coach um, and or do you have any marketing experience? Has your business coach been able to help you market yourself and brand yourself? If so, what has been your success rate with branding and marketing? Because that may determine if you may want to look into an insurance panel. Um, a big one that I see a lot of clinicians missing, and if they have one, they're not implementing it in their business for private practice, or it's outdated, or it's not even filled out correctly, is do you have a business plan for your therapy practice? Right. And then um, the last thing to assess within the branding and marketing strategies is do you actually have an infrastructure, aka like a skeleton for your business? So this is something, again, that we talk about in the Dope Therapist Academy, because the, the whole purpose of that program is to teach you how to build or rebuild, if you already have a practice, the infrastructure of your private practice system so that you can start going into the path of um automation and you don't have to do as much by yourself. So again, if you want to assess really where your private practice is, I would encourage you at the end of this podcast episode to head down to the show notes and actually check out my private practice quiz so that it can actually tell you where you are in your private practice. Okay. Uh, Tip number three, this is the last tip. Can you set 
internal, like your mindset, can you set boundaries? And you may be wondering, what does this have to do with insurance panels, right? So let's just say you decide to get on a panel because that's one of the suggestions that I give um, the clinicians who work with me is don't get on every single panel that accepts you. You should be doing a thorough assessment to even make sure that this insurance panel meets your needs, right? So get on one at a time. Um, Some of the things that you may want to look at when you are looking at an insurance panel. So this is your boundaries is I would actually ask yourself, what's the minimum amount that you will accept for reimbursement for an insurance panel? And I realistically want you to think about this is another system. So they may not pay you your $150 rate or your $200 rate. They may only pay you $60, $80. And this is very dependent upon your state, the cost of living, the, the specific insurance panel, and also your license type. Okay, because when I had a group practice, of course, I saw all the reimbursements. So when I would hire staff, I would have to tell them based off of the rates. Typically, if they were a uh, I'm just going to say a master's level clinician versus a psychologist, one insurance may reimburse 100 for a psychologist. But for a master's level clinician, they only reimburse 80 to 75. So typically, I would tell them a ballpark for reimbursements is there's a 20 to almost $30 difference between the different license types. Okay. So you want to inquire about the rates and also the referrals that are given in your area, because you may get on a panel that's open. And I've done that where I literally received one referral in five years. And I'm like, y'all keep sending me this paperwork every single year about updating my information, but for what? You're not even sending me any clients. And then I had to recognize that maybe a lot of clients in my area don't actually have that insurance. Okay. So another suggestion in um, for internal boundaries is if you do start obtaining private pay clients while you're on the insurance panel, can you actually set a boundary and dedicate a certain amount of slots to those insurance clients? So as I built my practice, I continued to um, advertise, of course, for private pay or out-of-pocket and PPO clients that would pay me first, and then they would get reimbursed second from the insurance panel themselves. So with that said, as I started to build up my private pay clientele because of my availability at the time when I was working, I chose to decrease the insurance panel slots simply because they didn't reimburse enough at all. Right. So at one point I was only taking, um, I think like five or seven insurance clients. So when those client slots were full, I would notify the insurance, especially if I had just begun and they look like they're going to be, I'm going to say long-term clients, like six months to a year due to trauma and such, or maybe like deep, deep family systemic conflict problems where I may have to see like different clusters of the family may start with the parents. Then I see the kids, et cetera. So with that said, I will actually notify the insurance companies, which I believe a lot of therapists don't do, which is why you continue to receive Uh, phone calls and then you got to turn these clients away and you have to think about what this does to clients. If they are given three numbers or five numbers when they call their insurance company and everybody is doing the same thing saying, I'm full, I don't have any availability. What would you do if you were in a crisis? Most people are not equipped with coping skills, so they'll just give up and not deal with the problem and allow the problem to build up and get worse. And then when you get them next time, now they're in a full-blown crisis, if not in the hospital. So think about the client's perspective. Okay. So, um, notify the insurance company when you're full and identify when you start building your private pay rates, 
how many client slots do you want to have for the insurance panels? Okay. And, uh, Suggestion number four under internal boundaries is, like I mentioned, make sure that you do your due diligence to communicate with the insurance panels. Most of them, it's an online portal. All you do is literally click a button or put uh, a check mark in a, a box saying how long you don't want to receive referrals, and then they won't rescind you referrals. And then when you're open back up to referrals, or I would say if you know you're about to wrap up with a client in like less than 60 days or 30 days, go ahead back online or call the insurance panel and let them know that you are open for referrals again. Okay. So let's just recap what we talked about today in regards to three tips to determine if you should take insurance. So tip number one is you want to have a thorough assessment of what type of clients you want to see, such as looking at your niche audience and geographical location. And can you get on the panel? Tip number two is, do you have branding and marketing strategies in addition to a business plan and an infrastructure like a skeleton of your business? And tip number three is, can you set internal boundaries to determine which and how many insurance panels you're going to get on and um, how many slots you're going to have available once you start building up your private pay clientele? So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, As always, um, I'm really glad that you tuned in today. If you know of any other mental health therapists that are looking to build, brand, or grow their private practice, please share this podcast channel with them. Um, Make sure that you subscribe so that you can be the first to know when I send a new podcast episode. Right now, I am on a podcast content creation binge simply because we're working from home full time and I really feel like a lot of therapists don't really understand that you are all essential providers as well. Um, Out of any time that I've seen in my career, this has been the season where in addition to medical uh, professionals and first responders, you are needed and you are sought out. So why are you not taking this time to build your brand? So if you really want to learn more about growing your private practice and assessing where your private practice is, I would encourage you to check out the show notes and take the private practice quiz um, with the link in my show notes. Now, I did mention the Dope Therapist Academy. So if you want to get on the wait list for the Dope Therapist Academy, the way that you're going to determine if that would be a good match for you is to take the private practice quiz. When you're done with the quiz, it will give you recommendations of where your business is, and then it will also recommend you of what program I have that would be a good match based off your level because I'm all about assessing your needs to make sure that you're matched with the right program and not honestly just throwing you into a program just because you think it's a good match because maybe that's not where you are. Maybe you're actually beyond what I teach in the academy as well. So um, if you want more motivational uh, quotes, um, I typically talk about lifestyle and abundance um, on my Instagram page, then make sure that you head over to Instagram and follow me on Dr. TK Psych. Um, Make sure that you also, if you can, let me know your feedback. That's the thing about podcasts. I don't know who I'm talking to. And so let me know your feedback. Let me know your biggest takeaway from this episode by going over to iTunes and telling me what you learned and what you're going to take fast action on in this podcast episode. And so thank you for tuning in today. I love you and I will see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle.